Turning to the New Testament and to Second Thessalonians, please. Second Thessalonians, take your time and get the place, and we'll be turning over to a verse or two in First John, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and the verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. That was in Paul's day. Only he who now letteth or hindereth will hinder until he be taken out of the way. Then shall that wicked, and the original is that wicked one, shall be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie or believe the lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in Unrighteousness, not very comfortable scriptures, those are they. Turn over a few pages to First John, the first epistle of John, chapter four and one verse. Chapter four and the verse three. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist which ye have heard that it should come. And even now in John's day already is it in the world? Turn over a page or two to maybe one page or two to Second John chapter one and verse seven. Second John one and verse seven. 
For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. We know that the Lord will bless to us the public reading of his word. The first man to make a bid for world power, control and dominance was Nimrod. You'll read about him in Genesis chapter 10 and 11. He brought in a new world order after the flood. Wooing, calling, and embracing all the people of the earth around the great tower of Babel. Genesis 10 and verse 9, he's described by the Holy Spirit that he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. He was a hunter of the souls of men. But before he could accomplish his evil deed, God came down and scattered, and confused, and confounded them, and scattered them abroad, across the countryside. Utter and pure confusion God brought amongst them. But ever since that man, many are they that rose up to make a bid for world power. Despots and kings and leaders have made that bid to get the power over all peoples of the earth. It was the pharaohs and the Nebuchadnezzar, Haman, and on it goes, Constantine, Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, Herods, Hitlers, Mussolinis, and many more. And all of them that made the bid for control and power All of them were satanically driven, satanically and driven and inspired by demonic powers. None of them with all their might and all their power, some of them come near it, but none of them reached the goal for God didn't let them because God's time is not right to have a ruler rule in the world. Eighteen months ago, in Wuhan, in China, December the 20th, 19, Satan, whose lap the whole world lieth in, the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air, under the control and the authority and the permissive will of God, allowed to be unleashed, satanically unleashed, something that we're living with and will live with for the rest of our days. The greatest sign of end times event happened in December 19 with COVID-19. The coronavirus was released upon the world with the permissive will of God, but satanically inspired. And what catastrophic results it has brought The Latin word for coronas is the word crown. 
A crown is a symbol of rule and power and authority over a nation and a people. Whenever it was first spotted, they put it under a microscope. That wee boy you see when you get in the news and they're telling you about it floating about this television screen. They put it under a microscope. And I am going to state the statement that they made when they saw it. They said, it is the symbol in the shape of a crown, a wreath, a garland with a halo glistering like the sun. Now I want you to let that sink in. King Corona. For 18 months now, King Corona has been ruling the world in power and authority and in fear. No king, no armies, no dictator, no despot could ever do what he has done. Seven and three quarter million people in the world populace are under till a measure his control today. Under the control of the iron fist of satanic power. The world is bludgeoned into fear this morning and confusion. He didn't come by blowing a trumpet. He didn't come by amassing his armies on the borders of Europe. He didn't come by releasing a nuclear bomb. He came through an invisible virus. Unseen almost by the naked eye. And he never spoke a word. Yet the whole world speaking about him this morning. Every news broadcast, every paper you read, it's Corona's COVID, Corona's COVID. And there seems to be nothing else to talk about. He never fired a gun. He never uttered an alteration. And we're told so far that 3.8 million people have died with the disease. The grim reaper is having a harvest across our world this morning. King Corona rules the waves. Britannia doesn't rule the waves. The great Americas doesn't rule the waves. King Corona rules the waves this morning. And well, you know it. And well, you see it. He tells us if we can go to work or not. He tells us if we can go to school or not. He tells us if we can get into hospital or not. He tells us if we can go on holidays or not and how long we can stay and what we have to do when we come home. He tells us if we can go into church or not or whether we can sing or how long we can stay or how many can come in. He tells us that we cannot hug our child He tells us that we can't go and see our dying mother and our dying fathers in the hospitals. He's telling us how far we can travel and when we have to come back. We can't even take a cup of coffee. I brought a man out for a cup of coffee that hasn't been well. I brought him out a couple of weeks ago in around the Armagh region and we went for a cup of coffee and we sat outside on the street, the table's outside. They'll not take the money outside, they have to bring you in. 
So I had to go into pain when I went in and he produced this book. He says, you'll have to sign this. Well, I said, see, and I'm in your, in, your, in your premises. I will sign it. But I'm signing it. I'm not agreeing with it. I'll sign it. You can't even get a cup of coffee now, but you have to put your name down. My friend, this is something that we need to realize this morning that's going on. We need to realize this morning there's one word for what I am after saying to you this morning, and it's the word control. And it's described in Second Thessalonians. It's the demonic power. In First John, it's the Antichrist power. It's the spirit of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist. Paul says the mystery of iniquity in the last days will work with all its power and with all signs and lying wonders and all deceivableness. And Jesus said, if possible, he'll deceive the very elect. And in Matthew 24, amongst the earthquakes and the famines and everything of these last days, he speaks about pestilences. This is a pestilence. This is a plague. There's a plague in biblical proportion, let me tell you. It's the same word as the plagues in the Old Testament and plagues in the New Testament. The same word. There's a plague on our land. The enemy has had a heyday. A heyday. There's a plague on our land. This is Satan making a final bid for world power and control. Through the spirit of Antichrist, he saw the opportunity. He took the opportunity. He has not appeared in present yet, and he cannot appear in present until the church goes. Hallelujah for those that believe it. I tell you, those who believe in the rapture are the people that really pray. Those that believe in the rapture are the people that have a desire to win souls. Those that believe that any moment Jesus could break the clouds and come again. Those are the people, my friend, that have a sire and a zeal for God. You don't have to drag them out to the prayer meeting. They'll come and they'll stay to the prayer meetings over and they'll cry to God because they believe. I tell you, the devil has deceived so many of God's people. And he's preparing a way through the spirit of Antichrist. He's preparing the ground. He's setting the scene. Credit cards, medical cards, vaccination cards, passports will all be absolute very soon. All give way to the chip and it'll be 666. He's making the road. He's making the way. And so many of them are that gullible we can't see it. Read your word, man. We're in dark days. We're in the last days. I believe, you know, of the government erected a statue of King Corona in every county in Ireland. I believe they'd bow in hundreds at it. I believe if they told them you bow before King Corona in every county in Ireland, they would come and they'd say, I'll bow before. If he promised them there'll be no more vaccinations, there'll be no more holiday restrictions, there'll be no more keeping you out of the pub, there'll be no more keeping the children out of school. If he told us all those things, you bow just and say, Hail King Corona! And all will be well. I believe thousands and probably many Christians would be the first out of the traps. Oh, God laid this message in my heart this morning. I'm going to preach it. I know know it's going far and wide. But we're living in a dark day. They're flapping millions to a seat and they'll buy at it and they'll say, I want rid of all this. I want to get back into the pub. I want to get back into the sports field. 
I want to get my children back into school. I even want to get back into some sort of a church or whatever sort it might be. I want to get back in. I want things to be normal. Thousands would bow. Thousands. And Christians will say, we'll do it, we'll do it. You're saving lives. Do you know I'm sick hearing that? Now people talk to me face. You want to kill people. To me face. We need to be saving lives. We'll do it if it means saving lives. It's their own life they're trying to save. My friend, if Christians were trying to save the lives of people, they'd be in the prayer meetings crying and weeping. They'd be out with tracks. They'd be out with these young men in the open air. They'd be crying to God every day for souls. It's not the, it's not the souls of men and women. It's their own souls. It's their own life. And if, if everything was cleared up in the morning, they'll make some other excuse not to come to the prayer meeting. They'll make some other excuse not to come back into church. They'll make some other excuse not to come to the table. They'll get an excuse. Well, that's what they're doing. Making excuses. This is the day and this is the hour we're living in in mass deception and the very church is, is deceived. Deceived. Oh, no, we can't do that. We can't. We, we're hurting people. We're injuring people. We must lock up. We must shut up. We must pull the curtains. We'll doom and do whatever we are. Oh, we'll stay here. We have to, have to get this over. They're not a bit concerned about getting it over. In, 70, in 1527, the bubonic plague hit the German city of Wittenberg. Martin Luther, that mighty reformer, he refused to close up. He refused to close the church. He refused to flee. He stayed on and he ministered, preaching to attending the sick, and he wrote a pamphlet. Should Christians flee the plague? Hundreds of thousands have died in that. Should, should Christians flee the plague? And here's what he says. Doctors are dying. Nurses are dying. Cares are dying. Why should we not die at our post? Why should we run? Why should the people of God abandon the people and leave them as they did around our land in the past months? God help them. Why should we run? Why should we flee? And by the way, he wrote that pamphlet after he lost his daughter because of the plague. And some say because of him. But he wrote the pamphlet after it. You see, these were men who stood. These were men who saw through the demonic powers of darkness. These are men who believe that God would protect them. God would guide them. God would guard them. Hallelujah, and we can say it too. Oh, I tell you, we're in a day of mass deception. Mass deception. Thank God that we were bold enough here to face the lies of the devil. But the more I go on, the more I see the lies. And the more I see the deceit, and the more, the more I see the confusion, and every day I'm seeing the hand of the Antichrist at work across our land and our people. Thank God we stood. We wobbled a wee bit at the beginning, but we weren't long steadying up when we realized that there was some other source behind this, and that source was King Corona 
and all his authority. I believe that the devil saw and the demons that are all around us this morning and the demons that are over Ireland in the church this morning, I believe that they reported back the headquarters and they said, now is the time to strike. Now is the time to strike. The church is in confusion. She has no power. She has no prayer. She knows nothing about fasting. She knows nothing about waiting. She knows nothing about crying. They're living in big mansions and big salaries and big traveling allowances and they're hiding behind the... Now's the time to strike. We have the church on the run and she's still on the run. And unless we get men and women to stand and weep and cry and howl, and I'm saying to pastors and ministers all over this land of ours this morning, I'm saying to you, it's time you got into fasting and praying and waiting and sackcloth and ashes and crying for our children, crying for our land, crying that this thing will be moved from us and God will revive us again. I'm saying to you this morning, as you're going to go to the judgment seat, you boy, and you're going to give an account you can say all you like about me and you can say all like about this church and the preachers that come here, but let me tell you, you're going to give an account before God. You that have the oracles of God, you that have the gift of God and supposed to have the calling of God, are you not supposed to stand? Are you not supposed to hold on? Are you not supposed to weep and wait and wail between the porch and the altar? It's too late, my friend, for anything else. And this is just what this church will be and this is what these prayer meetings will be. And if you want to join in, you'll join, but I'm, I'm telling you now, you need to come and be, be ready for the battle, for the battle's on. It's well and truly on. The deceiver, the right, he's having a headache. And thank God for the remnant. Thank God we're saying this morning that we're not having it. You know, we have seen more in, 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 we have seen more in seven months, eight months here than we saw in 20 years. God has really vindicated us here at this fellowship because we took our stand. We were told that they'll die all around us. Not one died from our congregation. But souls lived in this congregation. A young man born again last night. Another one the other Sunday night. God saving, God blessing, God moving the hearts of young people to go into the tank and obey him and come into membership. Some of you have missed it. Some of you have lost it. Go on and sleep on. Sleep on. Play your games. Dot your eyes and underneath your doctrine and say this is it and that's it. But the fact is, my friend, the judgment seat's coming. And it's coming. And it's coming soon. We need a remnant. And I'm preaching the heart of God this morning. We need a remnant who will stand in these days and cry. Not to run in fear and cover their heads and make out that nothing's happening. This is dark. This hour is dark. I want to say to you this morning, Satan hates this place. He hates this corner and he always has hates it because he knows very well that his time is short. He hates it. We need you in behind us here. We need you in the prayer meetings here. We need you to abandon your work and abandon your family for a night a week and get in to pray and cry and wait and howl to God like these others are doing. We need you to get down into the tank and obey God and we need you into membership. We need men and women in membership in this place. People who not run, people who stand, when they go looking for a deacon, go looking for an elder, go looking for some of the helpers, we can't get them, but they're not in membership. They're running the country, they'll not be here the night, some of them mightn't be here all week in the prayer meeting, but we need men to stand. We need women to stand, we need the men to put their back into the work, and women to put their back into the work. And thank God for those of you. 
we do it. And my heart's full this morning, for I can see out there, my friend, I can see what's coming. I tell you, we need to rally. We need to rally, and I'll be closing with this epidemic and plague of cancer. There's an epidemic and a plague of cancer stalking our young people and stalking our land this morning. And oh, none of us really care, do we, as long as we haven't got it ourselves. God help us. We're in great need. The church is in great need, and Satan saw that, and he saw them confused. He saw them fighting. He saw them all fighting with one another and doctrines and all the rest. He says, now is the time. We'll move now. We'll act now. Thank God for the men and women who stand in the open air. Thank God for the men and women who stand in prayer. He doesn't like this place. He doesn't like you people. But oh, I tell you, God, God is going to move and he's going to work mightily. Satan is like unto the lion. Now hold with me this morning. James says he's like a roaring lion that walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The lion is the crown corona. The lion is the king of beasts. The lion is the king of the forest. The lion ruleth the jungle. The lion is the mightiest of all beasts and turneth not away any. The word of God says. Here's what the word of God says. The lion dwelleth and crouches and teareth the arm with the crown of his head. Now hold on a minute. God showed me these scriptures during this week. And he said, you preach this. Now I'm preaching it. Listen to what the sea says about the lion. The power and authority, the king of the beast, the king of the animal world, turns away from nobody. Not the type of the devil. I tell you, we'll not drive him back with a wee prayers and a wee half hour prayers. We'll not turn him back, my friend, unless we know something about weeping and howling and mourning between the porch and the altar and crying unto God. Oh, I tell you, it'll take desperate prayer to drive us back. He saw the opportunity and he moved. Yes, the crown. He tears the arm with the crown of his head. The arm speaks of work. The arm speaks of work. And boy, he'll dismantle the work. He'll dismantle the work. And he'll dismantle the workers. And he's dismantling the work. And he's dismantling workers all over the place. Listen to what I'm going to say now. God said about the wicked tribe of Dan, he was like a lion's whelp, a serpent, a deceiver, who biteth the horse's heels. The serpent, the lion, biteth the horse's heels. He comes in behind and he nips the heel of the horses and the horse throws up and throws the rider back into his arms. The heel speaks about a walk. The foot speaks about a walk. I tell you, we need to watch our backs. Those of you that are in these prayer meetings, those of you that are elders and deacons in this place, those of you that are in business for God, he'll not bother with some of the rest. But let me say to you, watch your back. Watch your back. He'll nail you to the family. He'll nail you to the children. He'll nail you to your health. He'll nail you some other way. He'll slip in. He's a slippy, dirty foe. He'll slip in and he'll get you at the back. He'll nip the heel, nip the heel, and he'll throw you off. He slips in, he nips the horse and gets the rider. 
Not only does he go for the arm that speaks of work and the feet that speaks of the walk, but we read here that James says he's like a roaring lion that goes about and the roar is to strike fear. The lion itself, if you get away from the lion, it's the roar, the awful roar of the lion that strikes a fear. He goes for the mind. And those of you know very well what I'm saying, that the old enemy can attack our mind. We need our mind covered. Who keepeth our hearts and minds in these days. We need our minds covered in these days from all the filth and all the, all the lies and everything that's going on around. Friend, I'm unburdening my heart this morning. We need to watch our mind. We need to keep on the helmet of salvation. We're not dealing with Boy Scouts here. We're dealing with a ferocious foe that knows no bounds and not afraid of any. We're dealing with one who will destroy all before him if he gets his way. He needs to be resisted. He needs to be stood against. He needs fear struck back into him. Oh, I tell you, if you hear what we, what we preached there, or read there about James, about, about Paul, and all that, and what Paul said, and what John said about his power, and his evil, and his wickedness, And I want to close this meeting this morning by telling you, the people of God, you have nothing to fear. Now, I want you to get that into your mind. You have nothing, absolutely nothing to fear. Fear not now. You just settle as I close this in five, ten minutes. You just settle. You have nothing to fear. Cancers sweeping the world nation, our land, every town, every village is the pestilence and the plague, epidemic. We used to hear him saying a few years ago, one in eight, one in six, then one in four, and now it's one in two. Every three minutes, someone dies across the world with cancer. Let me speak now to those of you this morning who have it. Fathers and mothers, children and family who may well have it, may have it and may be diagnosed this week. There's three things. There's three things based on the word of God that you can do. The first one is this. You can rebel against it. And that's counterproductive. As a believer, you can't rebel against anything that God does. And it hasn't happened without his permission. C.H. Wells said on one occasion of God's behind the things that happened to me and the things that I see in the world, if I could get him, I'd spit in his face. Well, men did spit in his face. Dogs have barked at the moon from time immemorial, but the moon's still there and God's still on the throne. Still on the throne. Psalm 73. Oh, the psalmist was in some state. Maybe you feel like this this morning. He says, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious. 
I was envious and I was jealous when I saw the wicked. I saw them in their prosperity and they had no trouble and everything seemed to be well with their families and seemed to be well with their health and seemed to be well with their homes. And he says, and I look at myself and I look at the state we're in. He says, I was almost gone. Listen, if you're just there this morning, you hold on this morning for the best is coming for you, you hold on. Whatever that trial, whatever that diagnosis is this morning, let me say, maybe your steps are faltering, maybe you're slipping, maybe you have every right to, but let me say to you this morning, hold on now. He says, my feet were almost gone when I saw the wicked and all their health and all their prosperity and all their money and all their houses and everything they had until, until I went into the sanctuary. But when I went into the sanctuary and into God's house, I saw... He says, he says, I saw that they were on a slippery slope. They had nothing to live for. They had nothing, just what they had. And that's not the case with you this morning. Thank God for that. He says, I'm plagued. He uses the word plagued. I'm plagued until I went into the sanctuary. And then I saw they were in a slippery place. Number one, you can rebel against it. Number two. You can resolve to it. That's life. Flying high in April and shot down in May. That's life. (laughs) Stiff upper lip. What's to be will be. That's the way things are. That's the way it'll be. We'll hold on. We'll ride out the storm. That's good. And do that. That's great. That's what we need to do. We'll ride out the storm. We'll stand our ground. But there's another one. And it's this last one I want to drive home to you this morning. We're to rejoice in it. Oh. Well, that's what the Word of God says. Oh, you say, if you were I was, you wouldn't be singing. You wouldn't be rejoicing. Well, the psalmist says you're you're to sing in mercy and in judgment. You're not only to sing when all's merciful and all's great and all's good and all health is good and all the children is good and all's well with the family and there's plenty on the table and you have a good job and you have a good car and you have holidays and caravan and all the rest. You only praise God then and then oh, in judgment. We're to sing in mercy and in judgment. God our Maker, Job says, who give us songs in the night. Songs in the night. Plenty of tears in the night, isn't it? Oh, it's all right for you talking. Well, I've been through my fair share of it too. It's all right for you talking. Songs in the night. Rejoice, Paul says, in tribulation also. Sing. Sing, believer, this morning. Raise up the praise before God this morning. And I'll tell you why you should. I'll tell you why you should rejoice no matter what your situation's in this morning. Again, I say rejoice no matter where you are this morning. Depression, heart failure, cancers, no matter family troubles, whatever you're going through this morning. Listen, I'll tell you as a believer why you should rejoice this morning. Rejoice because, first of all, you're saved. There's millions out there with cancer and they're not saved this morning. And they have no hope. They're doomed and they're damned without Christ. 
You know, you know the worst thing that can happen to you, believer, is heaven. Huh? The worst thing that can happen to you if you were to die now is heaven. Is that the bad thing? Is that what we were singing about this morning? Marching to Zion? Marching to Zion? Is that, is that the worst thing that could happen to us? To the glory? Oh, rejoice, I say, because you're saved. Rejoice because of the day in your life when you were born again by the Spirit of God. Rejoice in the day that the Holy Spirit followed you and lifted you out of all the thousands and the Holy Ghost is, is with you and the Lord is with you and he'll never leave you or forsake you. And if he thinks that you need the affliction that you're getting, then he'll give it to you. He knows you. He'll not test you more than you can bear. He's in full and utter control. It's not King Corona. He's the God of this world. He's under the hand of the Almighty. And he's working all these things together for good to them that, oh, don't talk about that, boy, said to me, but good. Working all things together for good. It doesn't say they're good now. But he's working it for good. Rejoice because God allowed it to come. Remember Peter in the upper room? Lord, put the t- t- towel around him. The lovely Lord on his way to the cross girded a towel around him and got a basin. And he washed the feet of the disciples. Oh, what humility. The eternal creator of all things down in an old room at the feet of Dusty feet of the disciple that didn't even believe him. Judas, he was going to sell him. And he came to Peter, and Peter rebelled. Peter says, you'll not wash my feet. And he says to Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part with me. And then he said this. He says, don't, well, wash not my feet only, but wash me all together. Wash every bit of me. See what Peter was doing? First of all, he told the Lord what not to do. Would you tell the Lord what not to do? He's the God of heaven. He knows what to do. Don't you tell him not what to do. And then Peter told him how to do it. And don't you tell him how to do it either. Just submit yourself into the mind. Didn't you after singing, I don't know about tomorrow? Just submit yourself into the hands of the eternal and the almighty God. You didn't ask for that accident. You didn't ask for that marriage breakup. You didn't ask to lose your job. You didn't ask to be born the way you were born. But what did he say? What did he say in that upper room scene? He says, What I do. And he's always doing and he's always working. What I do. Thou knowest not now. I preached many, 30 years ago in a church in Londonderry and I preached in that text in the county Londonderry, county Derry, whatever you like to call it. And I preached in that text what I do, thou knowest not now. About a week after the week, a set went out 
I got a contact from a woman. And I'll tell you the story about her. Her husband was working in a certain place and he slipped into a machine and he was crushed to death. Young man with a young family. And they couldn't release him out of the machine until the police come. And the police scenes of crime were the police photographers. I think it was the police photographer came from the Strand Road in Derry and coming down over the coming down over the mountain there, the, the Glen Sheen, he hit a car, a car hit him and killed him. And they still couldn't release him. He was hours and hours and hours trapped before they could get him photographed, before they could get what they needed for the scenes of crime. When she got a hold of that text, what I do, thou knowest how. What a blessing it was to her soul. What I'm doing, you don't know now. But you will know. You will know. And don't be bothering yourself with trying to work it out. Don't be hindering yourself or annoying people. You say, Lord, I'm not only going to resolve to suffer this. My dear wife, mother, buried three children on the one day. Three children on the one day of her own children. And I never saw a woman that resolved anything like her. Called it a cross. I tell you, that put a lot of us to shame. What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know. Sovereign, eternal God is in charge, it's not King Corona. And he's working all these things out together for good. Let us rejoice because God allowed it. Lastly, rejoice this morning. Listen. Rejoice this morning in this. God is able to heal. We have got away from this in the church. Some of the rest of them have all went overboard and have went mad. But I can tell you, we have got so far away from the healing power of God in our ministries. Many of God's people don't believe of an intervention from the spiritual world at all. They don't believe that he's the same yesterday and today and forevermore. They don't believe that he's able to heal the sick. They don't believe that he's able to heal the leper or to heal the, the cancer anymore. He is able, my friend. We have a bottle of oil in here. And that's why we're speaking on this. And that's why we're emphasizing this. That the elders anoint with oil the sick. There we are. There's nothing in the oil. And there's nothing in my hand or Stephen's hand or any other man's hand. There's nothing in it. But God is able to, but God has laid down things in his word that we need to do. And if you're concerned and if you're praying and you're trusting God, you come along on Saturday morning or stay behind this morning and we'll pray for you. We're not to lie down to be kicked about by the devil anymore. 
We're not to be kicked from corner to corner with the coronavirus or King Corona or any other king. King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's my Lord this morning. Now the Lord has his will and the Lord has his way. And he'll take you in his time, whether we pray or whether we don't. But oh, I tell you, my friend, there's an avenue open that we need to trust God this morning. We need to believe God this morning. There's looking down at people in this meeting this morning, a couple this morning that lost their child. And what God does, we don't know. We don't know. But we know that there's a God in heaven. Rejoice because God is able to heal. And the close, a bad thing when a preacher says he's closing, he doesn't want closing with this. Mark 5, don't turn to it. Certain woman with an issue of blood. Leukemia. Oh, didn't know there was leukemia in the Bible. Well, she, well, the problem was with the blood. She had it for 12 years. She was hemorrhaging. It tells us the problem was in the blood. And she went to physicians. And she went to doctors. And she went to preachers, probably. She went everywhere she could. She spent all that she had. She maybe sold the very blessed chair that she was sitting on to get healed. She went everywhere. And do you know what, do you know what the Bible says? Instead of making her better, they made her worse. When I go to a doctor, boy, and he makes you no better, but he doesn't make you any worse. Boy, he's going to the boy and making you worse. <laughs> You'd be far better not going near that boy. Bad enough the way you are. She spent all that you had and everything that you had. She cleared out her house. She went to physicians. She went to doctors. She went everywhere she could. She wouldn't get a cure. Jesus came. Jesus came. Jesus came. And with the tip of her finger, she pressed through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment and she was immediately whole. What did Jesus say? Don't miss this now. You're delivered from your plague. Same word as pestilence. Plague. You're delivered from your plague. You know what the word plague means? To gnaw, to chew, to eat away, to scourge. Is that not cancer? Mark 3 and 10. As many as had plagues, he healed as they pressed upon him to touch him. She only just touched the tip, the hem of his garment. Boys, if she'd have got a grip, if she'd have got a grip of the, of, of, of the garment, boys, he'd have saved the whole countryside. Just the tip, just the wee finger, just the tip of the finger on the hem. Finished work. Finished work. Immediately she was healed. Didn't need any therapy, any more therapies. Making her worse. God help her. And when the Lord comes, when Jesus comes, do you believe that this morning? Well, we do because we're praying for healing. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, the night is turned to day. He takes the gloom and fills the soul with glory. All is changed. When Jesus comes to stay. Whether it's depression, whether it's fear, whatever malady that's attacking you by the devil this morning, you should seek prayer and you should pr ask people to pray with you. 
and we'll pray for you. At least give us your name and give us your something about you, and we'll pray for you in the prayer meetings. And we cry to God because God's on the move. And as the King Corona is trying to destroy all around him, Jesus Christ is in control. Hallelujah. And he's going to move mightily some of these days. He's going to move. And I'll be glad to be part of it. And so will you this morning. Oh, remember, friend, this morning. This is the spirit of Antichrist preparing the way for him to appear. He can't appear to the church goals. That's why none of those other men could make it. That's why Charles Main or, or, or any Julius Caesar or Mussolini or any, they couldn't make it. God stopped them before they got there. He is a, one, he is a place for one man. There's a place for one man. And it's the Antichrist, the beast. They got near it, but no, no. Blew the towel of Babel out of bits, down to bits. We're not getting near it until the church goes. Then he shall appear. He'll be seen. He's already out. He's somewhere about Europe at the minute. He'll appear. And he'll have a solution to all the problems that they have. But I'll be gone. I'm not going to be dictated. We're not going to take any more from the devil. The Lord's going to take us out. The only thing I'm praying is, and I believe it, he'll take us out in the midst of a Holy Ghost revival. Pray on. Stand with us. Believe God. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the cancer. God is well able to deal with that situation 